Welcome, everyone, to the Talking Reef Podcast. Questions and comments are always welcome. Please send them to podcast at talkingreef.com. And don't forget to visit our website at www.talkingreef.com. Now, here's the show. And welcome to another special edition of the Talking Reef Podcast, the weekly talk show that brings you topics and discussions on marine and reef aquariums. Every week I'll bring you a topic on marine fish or reef keeping, and once a month I'll bring you an interview with a columnist from Reef Keeping Magazine, found at reefkeeping.com. Today we are joined by the widely known and highly respected Randy Holmes Farley. This month Randy publishes his second part in a series of articles about the use of ozone in our aquariums. For those of you that don't know Randy, uh, he has a BA in chemistry and biology from Cornell University and a PhD in chemistry from Harvard University. Randy has been into reef keeping for over 10 years and has been active on a variety of internet boards for the same period of time. He has been especially involved in chemistry related issues and he has authored many reef keeping articles with a chemistry emphasis for fishnet, reef frontiers, advanced aquarist, and reef keeping. Randy, welcome to the Talking Reef Podcast. Thanks very much. Good to be here. Great. Now let's start with the basics here. Uh, what type of hobbyist would use ozone? Well, there are a couple of situations where people would use ozone, and one of those is used by large reef aquaria or other sorts of aquaria, like public aquariums, where the goal is to disinfect the water. In those applications, they're really trying to kill off um, bacteria and viruses and parasites that are in the water. While reef keepers might sometimes hope that they're doing that, they probably aren't actually accomplishing that. And what most reef hobbyists want to accomplish with ozone is to make the water clearer, to get rid of the yellowing of the water. Yep. Um, on, on that note, um, can you take a minute and explain to all of us exactly what ozone is and how does it actually accomplish what it does? Sure. Ozone is a form of oxygen. So in an ozone generator that I'll describe a little bit later, oxygen from the air is broken down into oxygen atoms and it can recombine into three oxygen atoms together instead of two that is in normal oxygen and that is very reactive and as soon as it interacts with um, an organism of some kind like bacteria or an organic molecule it can oxidize it mm -hmm. and it turns out that a lot of the yellowing compounds in aquarium water are very reactive with ozone and so the yellow organic molecules react with ozone and almost magically are not yellow anymore they're mostly still there, but they're just not yellow. Okay. And now let's get into some of the details that you cover in this month's reef, reef keeping article. Um, and that what type of components are involved in a typical commonly used ozone setup, something that would be used by a common hobbyist? Sure. There's, there's a half a dozen parts to it that people need to keep in mind. And not everyone uses all of the parts, but they, they can all be useful. It, the process starts with air. And usually that's supplied by an air pump, though that isn't always necessary. Some people can use a venturi in some of the later parts of the system that sucks the air in. But most people start with an air pump that pushes the air in. Would that venturi be something like on a, on a skimmer? Yeah, it, it, a skimmer that had a strong venturi action that was sucking air in could very well have that same effect. Okay. Most people, though, do start with an air pump. And the air is sent out of the air pump and often into an air dryer. Ozone generation in at least some kinds of ozone generators is more efficient if the air is dry. Okay. Um, and so passing the air through a, a dryer, which usually consists of a bunch of 
um, beads of desiccant that the air passes over and just leaves the moisture in the beads. The dry air can then go on into the ozone generator and, and as I said, be more efficient and also it generates less nitric acid. Nitric acid is a byproduct of having moisture in the air and that's probably something you want to reduce if you can. Gotcha. Um, now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something in here real quick. I know that you had you had mentioned earlier that um, how the ozone applies to you know a large aquarium or you know something like that and what they're trying to accomplish there. Um, and then when you said the common hobbyists um, don't usually or think that they're accomplishing this or something, is it effective as what we think it is? Um, the the issue really is that. Hobbyists don't use as much ozone, and they don't leave it in contact with the water long enough to really kill bacteria. If you put ozone into a skimmer, it's really only in contact with that water for a few seconds before it's dumped back into the aquarium. Okay. In, in, in a system where you really want it to kill the bacteria, you might want the water and ozone to be in contact together before they got back into the aquarium for a minute or five minutes, a much longer time. The longer it's there, the more you can kill the organisms. Okay. And that's just not the way most hobbyists use it. Okay, and it sounds like it's more of a, a setup design than an actual lack of, you know, the effectiveness in the ozone. It's just Yeah, more of a ozone issue. can definitely be very effective at, at disinfecting water. It's mm -hmm. used in uh, water treatment facilities for drinking water, but the amounts used are typically much higher. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, now one of the thing that you know I've noticed here and there is it seems like the the setup with ozone is commonly or there's different types of setups that have uh, UV bulbs uh, instead yeah. of this this air. Um, now, what is the ozone with the UV bulbs, and is this the same as a standard UV sterilizer, and can they be used together? Okay, um, and ozone there there are at least two kinds of ozone generators on the market that hobbyists would buy. One of them is using an electric discharge across a gap where the air is, and the discharge is, is almost like little bolts of lightning, and it creates ozone in the air. Okay. Um, many of the units are that way. The kind I have is that way, but that's not the only kind there is. The other kind uses a special UV bulb, so the air is passed in close proximity to a very short wavelength UV light, and that UV is able to be absorbed by oxygen molecules and it breaks them down into oxygen atoms that can then make ozone. But that kind of bulb is very different than a bulb in a UV sterilizer that uh, reef keepers usually use. Okay. The ones that reef keepers use have a wavelength that's designed to be absorbed by the DNA in bacteria and it's very good at killing bacteria. And that's what reef keepers I think mostly use it for, mm -hmm. bacteria, parasites, other things. Right. But the kind that would generate ozone are much lo shorter wavelength than that. And so the ones in a UV sterilizer don't actually generate very much ozone. Okay. Now, is there a difference in the effectiveness of one of these, uh, like with the UV versus the, uh, the electrical discharge one? In, in terms of ozone generation, I think they both can function perfectly well for reef keepers. There, there are differences, of course, if you're using a UV bulb type, you have to replace the bulbs every once in a while, mm -hmm. but it has some advantages that it doesn't seem as sensitive to moisture in the air. It, it's a trade-off in picking the two kinds, and uh, I think it, both kinds can work for most people. Okay. Now, with the electric, you know, the ozone generators like that, there is no 
Um, just so everybody understands, there's not anything that has to be replaced or refilled. There's not like a, a storage can of ozone that you have to replace. No, no it's actually you. You can't actually put ozone in a bottle. It's very unstable. So mm -hmm. you're always generating it and using it right away. Gotcha. And so the air is passed through the generator. You make the ozone and you immediately let that air continue on to mix with the aquarium water. And people might call that a contact chamber or a reaction chamber or something. Mm -hmm. Many people would use a skimmer, uh, but there are reactors intentionally made to try to mix the air ozone gas in the aquarium water and try to get the ozone into the water and mix it around for a while and then return it to the aquarium. Okay, so with the, now I'm going to kind of drop aside the incorrect setups where you don't have sufficient contact time or dwell time with the water for the uh, ozone to be uh, used effectively. Now let's say we had a properly set up ozone with a generator and a properly yep. set up one with a UV bulb. Um, is there, I mean, is there, if I was sitting here trying to make the decision, is there one that would weigh me one, one way or the other? Is there certain factors we should consider? Um, if, if you're asking between different kinds of ozone generator, I, I don't really have an opinion as to which type would be better. Well, I, I was kind of going more versus a generator versus the one that has the that the one that uses the electrical discharge to create it, and the other one that uses the UV bulb. Right. I, I don't. I don't. I happened to purchase one that was a, a Corona discharge, the okay. electrical discharge from Aquamatic. But I, I think there are, um, there are a number of brands of each kind that would be suitable. And they're both very effective then. Yes, they okay. certainly can put out adequate amounts of ozone for aquas to use. Okay, cool. Um, now, one of the other things that we wanted to talk about was safety. Um, it it yeah. must be somewhat safe to, to use in our tanks or we wouldn't be using it. But ozone can become dangerous if not handled properly. Can you take a minute and discuss any of the safety concerns that are around using ozone? Sure. There, there are really two issues. One is for the inhabitants of the aquarium, and the other one is for the people that would be in the vicinity of the aquarium. Mm -hmm. When you're putting ozone into the water, you need to try to remove ozone and it's, it's some of its byproducts that form almost immediately when it hits seawater because those are really very hard on organisms. And just like ozone will oxidize organic molecules in the skimmer or the reaction chamber, it'll oxidize the surface of gills of fish or anything else that it interacts with the delicate tissues of invertebrates. Mm -hmm. And so you need to remove those. And one of the best ways to remove them is to pass the water over activated carbon after you've contacted it in a skimmer, but before it gets into the aquarium. Okay. And so that, I, I think that's a very important thing to use. I know many people don't, and you can probably get away with it in many circumstances, but it can be stressful for the organisms in the aquarium. So basically what you're saying is in a, in a properly set up tank, you'd have your ozone reactor where you'd get your proper dwell time with the water. And after that, you're going to go through activated carbon to kind of clean it up, and then you'd go back into your actual tank. Yes, and, and the activated <clears throat> carbon not only helps in normal operation, but it would help in a, in, in a catastrophic overdose situation. Now, that, that probably isn't going to happen for most aquas who have properly sized their ozone generator. But if you've got an ozone generator that is much bigger than you need, and for example, you're using a controller to just control it to be on part of the time, and something fails and it's actually on a lot of the time, mm -hmm. you can deliver way too much ozone. The activated carbon will give you some buffer against that extra ozone coming. 
if you didn't have that, you can wipe out your tank with too much ozone. I have a, a, a person <laughs> that I know that has wiped out their tank from that, and I've certainly read news stories of public aquaria that have killed sharks in their big aquariums because they sent in too much ozone. So that, that can be a big issue. Well, now on that note of having too much or not enough, how do we effectively monitor and control the use of ozone? So fortunately, it's, it's fairly easy to monitor the amount of oxidizing agent that's getting into the water by looking at the redox potential of the water, the ORP. Mm -hmm. And that is done through a meter that has an electrode that sticks in the water. And you can monitor the redox potential of the water as you add the ozone. The redox potential goes up. How much it goes up depends on how much ozone you've added. It also depends a little bit on what your aquarium is like and what else is happening in it. But you can either just monitor it and set everything on your system the way you want it to be in terms of ozone production, mm -hmm. or you can actually use an ozone controller where the ozone generator is plugged into this controller and the controller will just shut it off if it gets up to some preset level that you put in that says, oh, there's enough ozone in the tank right now. We don't need any more. We'll just shut off. Yes, and that's a good point that I think is probably worth mentioning is if you're going to use ozone, you should you should have a controller, whether it's built into the ozone generator or secondary. It's it, something yeah, I, that's highly recommended. I, I agree. You, you definitely need to monitor it. Whether or not you control it depends a little bit on how much ozone you're using. Mm -hmm. in, in the system that I've set up, even at full use of the ozone, the redox potential has not risen to the point where I would have any concern about it. And I've watched it for a couple of months. It's never gotten over about 340 millivolts. So it's nowhere near the sort of danger levels of 450 millivolts. And so I don't have it on a controller, even though I have one. Gotcha. Uh, but for many people that want to push the redox potential up pretty close to the upper limit, I think it would be more important to have it on a controller. Gotcha. And that's important when, you know, when you're going through and scaling out your system and because um, certain different uh, different types of generators are capable of producing larger amounts of ozone. So, yes, that's absolutely true. You, you need to scale your generator to be appropriate for your aquarium. And they, they sell ones where you could blast the aquarium a lot more than is necessary. Fortunately, for, for reef keepers who are just wanting to get rid of the yellowness of the water, that's much easier to do than disinfecting the water. Gotcha. So it doesn't really take very much most of the time to take the water from either slightly yellow or what already looks pretty clear to being very clear with just a small amount of ozone. Great. Well, um, is there any final comments that you have on using ozone that we haven't quite talked about yet? Um, the one other thing I would address is um, safety for the people. Ozone mm -hmm. is potentially toxic when it's in the air that people are breathing. And one of the drawbacks to using a skimmer as the way to contact the air and ozone mixture with tank water is that the air often escapes from a skimmer very easily. They're not designed to hold in air. Right. And so um, many times when you use a skimmer, when I tried it with my skimmer, the whole basement smelled of ozone. It was right. very clear that it was just flooding out everywhere. And that's um, that kind of like after the storm type outside smell, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's kind of a fresh Swedish kind of a smell. Mm -hmm. um, pe people who start using an ozone generator can, can easily notice it when they first turn it on. So it, it's not a hard thing to miss. It doesn't smell like any other things around the room. Right. Um, so it, it's easy to recognize. And, and the best way to deal with the ozone that's in the air 
is to also pass that over activated carbon somehow. So if you have a skimmer, it's best to try to force the air through some kind of carbon uh, filter or something. Activated carbon filter, yeah. Gotcha. Um, many of the um, ozone reactors, ozone water reactors, might come with something that the air would be able to pass through. And I think it's a reasonable rule of thumb that if you can smell a lot of ozone around the system, you probably want to try to reduce that. If you can just barely smell it near where it's being produced, then that, that's probably not a big deal. You can smell ozone at levels below the toxic levels, but if you can smell it, you're never really sure exactly how high it is. Yeah, and that was one of my next questions is how, you know, if you smell it, is that bad? But you actually have, um, in your article, you've got details on exactly what amounts of ozone are acceptable and how different levels have different effects on people, don't you? Yeah, fortunately, it's pretty well studied because of its being an, a pollutant in, in the air from um, automobile exhaust and things that end up causing ozone. And so people have studied quite well how much it takes to cause certain side effects. But a recent study has suggested that even pretty low levels, if breathed over years and years, can lead to more mortality in people. And so even if you don't keel over dead from breathing it for a couple of days, it's probably not something you want to be breathing in all the time. Okay, so basically what we're getting at here is if, if, some, if you're going to set up a system with ozone, make sure that it's properly filtered and make sure the entire system is properly set up the best that you can. Um, or look at something else. <laughs> Absolutely. You can you can filter it with carbon. Some people even just vent the whole thing outside somehow. It depends a little bit on what kind of climate you live in. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, well, I think that pretty much wraps it up. Is there anything else you wanted to throw in there? No, I think that's good for now. Excellent. Well, Randy, I wanted to thank you for coming on and talking to us about the reef-keeping article. Um, and hopefully we'll get you back on the show sometime soon. Okay, that sounds good. Thanks very much. All right. Again, that was Randy Holmes Farley taking a minute to talk to us about his reef-keeping article about the uses of ozone in our home aquariums. And now let's take a minute to look at some other highlights from this month's issue of Reef-Keeping Magazine. This month's feature article, Beyond the Refugium, Seagrass Aquaria, an article about growing different types of seagrass in your aquarium. And also... Sanjay Joshi's third part in his lighting series, Making Sense of Lighting Measures. And a great review on the Dialysis Automatic Water Change and Purification System. There are many more great articles at Reefkeeping Magazine, so make sure you head over to reefkeeping.com and check them all out. Last but not least, don't forget Reefkeeping's famous Top 10 list. This month you get Top 10 Ways to Get Your Spouse to Pay for Your Next Item at the Local Fish Store. I'm sure that's going to be uh, well received by everybody. And that's going to wrap up this month's Reefkeeping edition of the Talking Reef Podcast. Make sure you check out the Talking Reef website at www.talkingreef.com and subscribe to the feed to hear all the great Talking Reef podcasts. I'll talk to you next month with another great interview. <laughs>